Hi everybody, just a quick message here before the podcast starts. Um, sponsored once again by uh, good friends Karma Coast in Tynemouth, the CBD specialists uh, who are an award-winning small batch handcrafted organic CBD company based in Tynemouth, which is just next to Newcastle. Um, yeah, their products are amazing. I've used them all before. CBD oil, CBD balm, uh, the vape pens, and the CBD tea, which is absolutely delicious. Um, go on to their website, which is www.karmacoast, that's karma with a K, cbd.co.uk, and you can use an exclusive 10% discount code, which is Karma, all lowercase, M-A-T-T-S-K-A-R-M-A. Uh, that'll give you 10% off. The link is in the description to the website and the discount code. So if you need it, it's there. Um, yeah, enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode five of Hide and Speak with me, Matt Saxon. I'm very excited about this episode because it's with Richard Dawson, who is uh, a friend and also one of my favorite artists in the Northeast. He invited me up to his house, which has a bird hide nearby. So we went there, nice change of scenery for me. We were greeted by an abundance of lovely woodland birds and it was quite overwhelming at times. Didn't really know whether to talk about the birds or talk about Richard. But yeah, he was really generous with his time and quite happy to just talk about the birds rather than his career. Um, I feel like I managed to get a little bit out of him. Yeah, we recorded this early January. I won't go on much further than this, but uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. This is episode five with Richard Dawson. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here, close to my house. Yeah. But in a place I've never been before. Because you didn't have the key. Didn't have the key. Oh, wow. We've got a bunch of really good birds right in front of us. Got lovely woodland birds, great tits, robins, blue tits. Yeah, they all just arrived. You click to oh, record. And chaffinch all... over there. On top, you know the tree you were looking at just a minute ago. Oh yeah, he just dodged. Uh, he just dodged off. Ah, uh, we've got uh, we've got green finch over there. Hmm. Whereabouts? The tree that you were looking at before, where you saw those great tits. Yeah. The problem is. Oh, a cold tit! Jesus Christ! It literally they must have known that we hit record. Yeah. Because they've just all came out. You know we're in a special place here, though. This is the. Former site of the uh, Clara Vale pit, and then they capped off the mine. And they, where we are now would have been the site of where hundreds of men labored under our feet. Yeah, but it's quite a special habitat. It's not an ancient woods we're in, in the goodness knows what's in the soil. Some blackbirds, turdus marula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was checking out some of your songs quite recently. I was, well, I had to check out 
one of your songs called Ornithology mm. from the early days. Yeah. Where you mentioned the Turtus Marula. Yeah, it's that's the reason I know the name of the the secret name of the blackbird, but that's the only one I do know. That's the only bird name I know. I've never heard of these other ones that you mentioned before. Well, that's the Latin name for the blackbird, yeah. of course. I feel like you could really get into the the Latin side of bird watching. I w- maybe one day I will get into that. Ooh. Just reeling off all of the Latin names for the birds that you're looking at. <laughs> I know one other, and it's um, the buzzard is Butio Butio. Oh, that I've heard that one. Yeah, it sounds like a really cool '70s football game. Subutio Subutio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty shocking that I wrote a song called Ornithology uh, without knowing anything about birds. I feel like you. No more than the average. That's kind. There was a bullfinch once came in my grandma and grandma's kitchen, hopped around for a bit, so I got to see a bullfinch close up, very cheeky. And that's also a lyric in one of your songs. Is that in the song, is it? Yeah, it is. What's that one there? The one with a big black stripe down its front. That's a great tip. What, like right on this little yeah, feeder yeah. here? Oh, God. Turn me phone off. Major folks pass. <laughs> Um, They're very relaxed now, these birds, aren't they? Oh, what's that one dancing across the ground? Is it some kind of... uh, That looks like a... That's a siskin, I think. That's just... um, That's a lovely name, isn't it? Siskin. I think if I ever had a child, I would like to name it Siskin. That is a good name, isn't it? It has a nice ring to it, Siskin Dawson. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Richard's just named his firstborn. (laughs) Live on the podcast. Beautiful sounds. Siskin, page 252. Sorry, I understand this is possibly quite boring for the podcast, but listen to the pages. And I think the birds were startled by my choice of name for my progeny. Siskin Dawson. Well, what did I say it was? 252. Two. God, I was way off. Can I ask a question? Yes. Do any birds eat eggs? Bird of prey? I'm sure there's a bunch of bird of prey that would. Uh, But the smaller bird, like your sparrow or your your hedgling birds, tree creepers, (laughs) something like that. Tree creepers. Do you know we get tree creepers around here? Yeah. That would, it looks like the habitat for it. Yeah. Well, for the listeners, I think one thing I like to do is get my guests to describe where we are and what we're seeing. I know you did a little bit earlier on about the... Ah, uh, uh, yeah, so we're in Claraville Nature Reserve, which is on the site of the old mine here. And we're in one of the two hides in Clara. And we're looking out on a vista of browns and greys and dark greens. And there are maybe four or five or six tables and feeders very close in front of us. And then behind is a tangle of living and dead trees. Some, a lot of ivy. The the ivy has a very particular green. It's like a dark, shining green. It's an overcast day. How was that? 
Was that descriptive enough? That was, you know, I almost cried a little bit there. <laughs> that was a, a very touching uh, account of what we're seeing right now. Thanks for that. I expected nothing less from a man of yourself. I was aiming higher, to be honest. It just it felt a little bit... Um, Speaking of stock. aiming high, there's a big grey squirrel high up in that tree over there. He's just crawled all the way down. Can you see him? Mm, no. He's on the opposite side of the stream. Yeah, he's gone right down into the ground now, so maybe uh, he'll, he'll come back, I'm sure. I think there was two of them. I didn't want to interrupt your very poetic description Absolutely there. Absolutely fine. Yeah, there's quite a few squirrels around here. Apparently there's a lot of, well, not a lot, but there are badgers. A badger was spotted by a fellow resident one, early one morning running at full pelt past the bus stop. Really? Yeah. Missed the bus, did it? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a badger in the wild. I've never seen one. You know, if you go out walking in the evenings or at night time, particularly at night time, you should always carry a large stick with you in case of badger strike. Because if a badger goes for you, comes out of its set and goes for you, it'll go for your ankle and it'll lock on. They have that kind of locking jaw. And they'll only let go when they hear the bone snap. Wow. Or otherwise disintegrate. So that's their goal, is to snap your bone? Yeah, to sort of, um, I guess, to debilita- debilitate you. Incapacitate Incapacitate, you. that's the word. I don't know whether that's so then they can flee in safety or else f- for them to seek to do further wow. damage to your person. But uh, that's why you should carry the stick, though, because when it locks on, you can get that stick out of your pocket and give it a big snap, snap wow. that stick, and it'll fool the badger into believing it's... Oh, so you... Right, okay, I thought you meant you were to hit the badger. No, but you, no, never hit a badger. That's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> Perhaps we'll see a badger this afternoon. I think it's unlikely, but... I haven't got a stick, though. Well, we're safe in this hide, I think. Wow, that's a Relatively tremendous safe. knowledge, that. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for badgers, and uh, I'll make sure I carry a stick around with me. That's really interesting, actually. Thank you. Thank you for calling it knowledge. <laughs> so basically badgers are absolute menaces and well they're pretty roughens uh, they're robust and uh, but they're just very proud I think wow I wonder if Brian May knows this information I think Brian May actually funnily enough our, we had a Christmas pudding this year which came for, uh, from Brian May <laughs> that's not that's not a word of a lie. What, what, Brian May sent you a Christmas pudding. He didn't send us it personally, but he he gave it to my partner's mum's neighbour, and she lives in a little village in the Yorkshire Dales. Wow! And he's got a good pal there, who's neighbours with with Sally's mum. And Brian May gave him a number of puddings, too many for any person to get through over a single Yule. Wow. How did Brian May's pudding taste? It was really, really good. It was a quality pudding that we inherited. Did he give you the recipe? No, it was just like a bought pudding, but it was a special one. It was He didn't make the pudding. Ah, see, I've got this image of Brian May <laughs> with his pinny on in the kitchen, <laughs> knocking up no. little gift packages to send to his, his friends. No, but I think he would worry. I think he would just, regarding the, the badger and... Uh, 
portrait that we've painted of it, he would be concerned that we've painted in a bad light. So I think it's important that we offer balance. Badger is a magical, mystical, beautiful animal. They are. Yeah. What's this little bird here? That's a little blue tit, actually, but they're so nice to look at, aren't they? Really lovely colours on them. The birds have all come back again. I want to ID these yellow birds because I don't know if they're greenfinches, siskins or uh -huh. yellow hammers. Well, I, I heard the other day that there was a, an awful lot of yellow hammers around. There was a, a bird watcher I stopped and had a little chat with and he had come specifically to see the yellow hammers. Yeah. I originally went for siskin, but I'm definitely leaning more towards yellow hammer. Yeah. If in doubt, lean towards yellow hammer, I think is a good life rule. I think so. I think you're right there. I am just going to check the book though, because I don't know about you, but my level of bird knowledge is still in the amateur stage. So I still do need to refer to my little book every once in a while. I lifted my binocular to my eyeball and startled them. Do you think they like saw your eyeballs on the, on the, the opposite lens? Like huge, like a yeah. cartoon. I'm pretty sure that these are yellow hammer. I don't know if you can see there. That's basically what we're seeing there. So the yellow hammer's got a lovely yellow head and like a pale yellow slash greeny tint to its breast and nice kind of brown colours on its wings and flanks as well. Lovely bird. I should just say that I can't really see any of these birds. I can, because I'm, uh, just for the benefit of your listeners, I'm visually impaired. I have a hereditary condition called juvenile X-linked retinoschises. So they're just like little moving blobs, or uh, blobs isn't quite right, like uh, smudges. <laughs> but the way they move is nice. But So it's nice if I can manage to get them in my binocular and actually see something of them. Are your binoculars good enough to pick up things from really close? Do they magnify the really close mm. ones? Or they I'm not sure. I'll try again. I think they're pretty crap. But You can borrow mine. I've got a little bit of a limit. Oh, there's a... Look, Richard, there's a squirrel right there on your right-hand side. You see him? Look at him, old bushy tail, leaping into the action. Here he comes into the fray. I've got a feeling that this metal cage that's in the middle of the the floor here is because of him yeah naughty one he's just uh he's just jumped up on top of the metal cage i reckon that he's trying to get some of that bird feed that's inside it after i wasn't expecting quite so much drama so quickly we've been here five minutes and it's been thrilling i wonder how the birds feel about this guy nicking their food yeah. do you reckon they built the cage or the birds or is it human made <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not a natural st structure of some sort. Wow, he's in. He's in. He's found a way in. I hope he doesn't get trapped. Is he going to stay there and eat all of those seeds? Oh, wow. I'd be annoyed if I was a bird. Although Sharon is caring. He might be the one who's left the seeds. He or she, I should say. Or they. I don't know, like, this is a... Uh... We're getting so much action that it's really nice to describe what's going on. But I also want to talk about you ah. and your your career. And, and Nuts to that. That's what the squirrel said. 
I've got a lovely little pheasant with his head all sunken into his body over there on the right-hand side. Is that real? It is, yes. It's quite still. Is it sort of beyond that tree? Yes. I'm going to just put him in. Wow. Pheasants have got some really beautiful colours on them. They're very shiny. They've got a bad reputation, though, because they're quite thick. I think it's why they get run over all the time. Quite thick-skinned, too, just to withstand that sort of criticism from bird watchers. Yeah, sorry, Mr. Pheasant. I, right. did, I, did, I butted him up with a compliment of saying how beautiful he was first. Mm-hmm. I negged him after that, though. <laughs> and we've got a... I slighted that pheasant. <laughs> we've got a, 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 just next to the pheasant, we've got a moorhen. Wow, Really? Yeah, you'd probably get him in your binoculars if you're quick enough. Bright yellow legs, Beautiful. black body. It's like a lovely little feathered carafe. A feathered carafe. Yeah. yeah. It's actually unbelievable to me. I live here and I'm aware that there's a lot of birds around, but just to sit here and to be in the presence of a squirrel, a pheasant, a moorhen, a great tit, a blue tit. Robins, blackbirds, siskins, yellowhammer. Ah, oh, maybe not siskins. I don't think I can call my child yellowhammer. I think that's a little bit outlandish. Mm, yeah, yellowhammer so Dawson. Maybe we can go with siskins. Beautiful. Chaffinch as well. You've got that off your list. Yeah. But also, what a tremendous memory <laughs> you've just got there. I wouldn't be able to remember them if I'd never heard of them before or unfamiliar with them. I s- Maybe I exaggerated how little I knew, but I don't know a lot, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think you're being modest, aren't you? Mm. Oh, there he, there he is. Yeah, coming out. The pheasant. And that moorhen just made a brief cameo and then withdrew from the action. I can still see him, can but you? he's probably out of your line of sight right now. He's in the little pond over there. Got some beautiful uh, chaffinches right in front of her. This is a lot of bird knowledge. I'm for the first, uh, yeah, for the first fifteen minutes of the podcast. I'm I'm kind of concerned about the squirrel that now he's in. He's almost in like a seed prison, and I'm not convinced he's going to be able to. He or she's not going to be able to stop themselves from. Yeah, if he eats too much, he's not going to be able to get out the hole that he got in. (laughs) We'll see. It's like the Al Capone of squirrels. Well, we've got a narrative to the podcast now, so we'll just see how he gets on. Yeah. So Happy New Year as well. Happy New Year, man. Yeah, I hope you had a nice Christmas too. Thank you. Yeah, it was interesting and sort of discombobulating. We were both ill before Christmas and Sally got COVID. Oh no. But she's, she's fine. I, I'm pretty sure I got COVID, but didn't test positive at any point, which is kind of frustrating in a way, mm-hmm. an odd way. And then I went deaf in, oh, he's another squirrel, I think. Something just wandered down off a tree. Uh, I went deaf in my right ear. I thought because of complications from the cold mm-hmm. but it was actually turned out to be some impacted black wax wow 
but I, yeah, so I was deaf for two weeks in my right ear, which was awful. Were you completely deaf? Like, pretty much. I could hear in my left ear. Mm-hmm. It was a nice Christmas because we had a nice time with Sally's folks, but nice. just feeling a bit discombobulated by all of the being a bit out of it. It was fine though. Nice food. How about you? What did you do? Mine was pretty relaxing. Just went to my brother's house for Christmas Day. His wife's side of the family came, and so there was like a nice amount of people there. Yeah. Food was good. Company was good. The drinks, the wine, and the whiskey were flowing. Mm-hmm. Very tasty. Uh, cheeses on the go too. Went for a really nice walk down the Dean, where I live in Northumberland, and uh, yeah, it was just just really nice, uh, nice and relaxing. No pressure to do anything. It was really good. I was I was off work too, so but then I was on I was at work on New Year's Eve, so I couldn't really enjoy New Year's Eve yeah. like celebrations. But that's overrated anyway, isn't it? I can see three squirrels. One, two, oh, there's a squirrel on the tabletop now. There's one down here as well. Oh, he's out of his cage. He made it out. Is that a dog barking that is spooking the birds? I think it probably is, yeah. Maybe spooking the squirrels as well. I think this is the most action that we've ever had on the podcast so far. Because I've been doing a lot of, um, all, all the other episodes I've recorded so far, being on a, on a pond or a lake. Ah. So we're seeing different types of birds there. But This is like a sort of metropolis of woodland critters i've never been here myself before i'm definitely gonna come back basically great i can't believe how much things that we're seeing it's really exciting oh oh something spooked all the birds there but i think it was just a blackbird flying through no there was a loud crash like a metallic crash of some Mm. sort i think it was probably just the gate the reserve I'm going to shift my position because I'm getting pins and needles in my backside congratulations on the release of the the album Henki thank you is that the correct pronunciation yeah Henki yeah what's the meaning of Henki Henki I think the most straightforward translation is spirit but it can mean, you know, like that word in English is quite a foggy one. Uh, so it can mean things, you know, like essence. Is it a Finnish word? It is, yeah. Life, the life of something, or a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's like life force. You know, you might say uh, you, you have good hanky today, or like the hanky is good today, the, mm. the energy, the spirit. I drank a bit too much hanky last night. <sighs> I had too much hanky to dream. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really it's a really good album too. It's um it's a collaboration with a band called Circle. That's right, yeah. They're uh, one of my favourite ever bands. Very amazing, long, varied catalogue of releases. Yeah. Very ancient music, but also like uh future so yeah we made that and how did the collaboration come about are you, are you kind of crossing paths through the touring world or no it was uh 
Yanni the guitarist had tweeted that he liked my album Peasant and somebody pointed us to that and so I just found that tweet and immediately responded with like <laughs> zero cooler just like oh my god I love Circle there's no shame in that at there's all. no shame oh, man. and uh, and then we just stayed in touch from there swapped records and stuff and then I did a bit of singing for his solo record There Is A Passage and visited over there had a gig at the Kaustinen Folk Festival which, in the middle of Finland was uh, that it was good, yeah. I mean, I was like the... Um, it's funny, like, when I go to play festivals, I'm either on at some festivals where I'm like the total oddball experimental thing surrounded by things which are more mainstream, more traditional, or the absolute opposite of that. I'm the absolute straight song guy on an absolutely mad oh, bill. Oh, right, yeah. It's funny. So what were you on that one? I was the mad experimental... <laughs> but the wild thing is I just do the same thing wherever I am yeah I was dreaming of doing an album with them just the idea of making an album together was like but I never I didn't dare to ask because I just didn't think they would be that into they it they would say yes yeah and, or they'd be uncomfortable or something like that but then they got you could burn your bridge of Twitter communication in yeah, that case couldn't you you know Actually, in the end, they asked me. Wow. Turned out, Yanni, uh, sorry, you see, the bassist and founder of the band, had been listening separate of Yanni, and I think uh, they just um, it felt like they asked one another if they'd heard my music, and they both had only just started, and it was like, oh, that's that's wild. Anyway, they they asked me in the end, which was. A great surprise, but absolutely brilliant. Then we just set off talking, a lot of talking and demos. Did you go over to Finland to record with them? Eventually, yeah, uh, we, we did a lot by uh, a lot of talking and then we were exchanging just like ideas, snippets of ideas via email. And then uh, eventually when we had enough things... They'd taken some of my ideas and shaped them. I'd taken some of theirs and shaped them. Sorry, I'm just getting distracted by... It's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah. Then I went over for a gig. Oh, yeah, that was it. Like, they booked... They were booked to play Sideways Festival in Helsinki. (laughs) Massive festival there. And uh, they sort of suggested that I come around that time and maybe I could appear on stage with them. I'm thinking, like... Ah, great, I'll play like a song with them or something, like one of their songs. (laughs) I got there a few days before, like two days before, to work on our ideas. And it became very clear very quickly that they thought I should appear for the whole set. And we would do like loads of new songs, which we didn't have, which just seemed completely mad Mm -hmm. and not possible. But they were really (laughs) insistent that it was like, yes. It will be good. <laughs> we did that. That's kind of amazing. Nice. And then we just kept going from there. Some studio sessions in Pori, Finland. And then when lockdown happened, I think we'd done, the last time I was over there, we'd done a session in Music Huoni, which is the studio we recorded 
in Parry. That was in January, just before the pandemic. Actually, it was the first I ever heard of coronavirus was whilst I was over in Finland, and then mm. it just obviously snowballed. Is that a pigeon? Yeah, we've got a, a lone pigeon just just oh. kind of flew in and just started taking over. That pigeon reminds me of myself. City Slicker moved out to the country, just absolutely bewildered by the majesty of nature. Have you heard of the McFlurry pigeon in Newcastle? No. Apparently there is or was a pigeon with a McFlurry lid around its neck. People would spot it all the time. Gosh. Hope it's okay. I don't really know how long pigeons live for, but um, I think I looked you this know? up actually. Yeah, I feel like the answer might be something like six years. Mm-hmm. But shall I, shall I look that? I don't want to misinform your uh, listeners. I'm gonna. Huh? So it's, I'm I'm always uh, up for a little fact check. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Oh, Pigeon look. lifespan. How long? Uh, is the pigeon lifespan bigger than its wingspan? <laughs> That's what we really need to know. How wide is its wingspan? Three years? <laughs> pigeon live for six years. Wow. That's Bang on. No, that's rock dove. So, rock dove, rock dove. House sparrow, three years. Starling, two, three years. Only two, three years for a starling. Yeah. Mm. Oh, here we go. Feral pigeons can live up to ten years, but lifespans of three to six years are more typical. Pet pigeons and racing pigeons between nine and fifteen years. Passenger pigeons are, of course, extinct. Passenger pigeons? Yeah. What, because the human race grew in size? I can't remember why they... uh, I would look it up, but it's too soon for another. For another. Uh, for another fact check. check. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to use up all your tokens. No. Internet tokens. Maximum three fact checks, eh? Three fact checks per podcast. Yeah. Although we've probably got some in surplus. I don't think I've fact checked in any other podcast so far. Fact check away. Well, I was to your heart's yeah, content. Yeah. You um, I have to mention the. Henke music video. Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, not the Henke, the Lily music video. Lily, yeah. With Mr. Steve Davis. Yeah. How on earth did that come about? <laughs> yeah, Yussi called up and he, he said, I, I have three ideas for our video. And I can't remember the first idea. The second one he said was, uh, do you know the Brothers Key? It's like, yeah, I know the Brothers Key. Amazing. Um, you know them? Uh, no, I really don't. Really amazing animators. Maybe uh, contemporaries of Jan Svankmeyer. Really amazing work. So it was just, when he said it, it was like, uh, well, look at that pigeon. What's, What's it doing? It's fanning its tail. Oh, is it mating? Is that a mating ritual, dragon? We are witnessing a mating ritual of a pigeon. Now he's giving her the cold shoulder. Well, that's... It's just a technique, though, isn't it? Yeah. That he's learnt. And she's coming yeah. back this way. Don't go for him. He's a player. He's playing you. Yeah, the pigeon just... Uh, there's oh. two little pigeons in front of us, and one of them just started fanning his tail 
in a very interesting manner. Love can break your heart. Try to be sure right from the start. Beautiful. Bit of Neil Young there. That should be on the national curriculum, that song. Yeah. And play it to young lads. 14, 15 year old. Teach them early. Yep. I wish I was taught early. And option three. Oh, yeah. And he said, Do you know Steve Davis? <laughs> you know the snooker player? Yeah. Uh, yep. As <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should film him playing snooker. I'm kind of waiting for more. <laughs> but that was it. That was the idea. And I just thought that's absolutely brilliant. You're a big snooker fan though, aren't you? No. No? No. I used to watch it when I was a kid, so actually I grew up watching him and uh, Dennis Taylor, Jimmy White. A little bit later on, Joe Swale, I, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I think I dropped off probably around the time Ronnie O'Sullivan was coming in. I'd actually met Steve maybe a year previous at Supernormal Festival. Oh yeah, because he, does he DJ or is he, he a DJs, performer? Yeah, and he plays uh, modular synth in Utopia Strong. He's a very nice guy called Cavus. That set was great, actually, very good. And I actually knew him through some other people as well, so there was a kind of double connection there, so we had a nice mm-hmm. chat. But I didn't, you know, I think I drank one of his beers. Well, Steve Davis has drank. a beer as well. Yes. Or you just actually accidentally drank his beer. What's that? Pheasant. Pheasant. Yeah. Thank you for that, because I've wondered what that sound is for months. Yeah. And I never knew. Very noisy buggers. It's like somebody pumping up a tyre. You've got an app, haven't you? Yeah, but you can't do... I've never heard it do it. It usually just does it once. It goes like... Bah, bah. Mm. And then you get your app out and it's just all quiet. But uh, that was a real uh, herald of hideous carking. Yeah. The word cark. Cark. It's a good word. That's like, no, I don't think it's the right word. Dying. Cark. So yeah, I went to uh, his brother's snooker club in Dagenham mm-hmm. and just watched him knock balls around for a few hours. It was a great day. Has he still got it? Oh, yeah, he's got it. He's a he's a great person. Very, very nice, kind. Super dry, of course, but, like, very friendly. But you also you have this feeling as well, like, he's... It's kind of easy to forget sometimes, but this is somebody who practised and practised and practised and became the best at something in, in the whole world. He was the best yeah. at snooker. That, you sort of feel, like... That it's just got an inner confidence, which is sort of really disarming. It doesn't use it against you or anything like that. Like some people can, I think. Yeah. Not many, but some. It's humble. Yeah, it's just very grounded. But but there is this confidence there, which is I'm not a especially confident person, so I've you know quite socially awkward. Join the club. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. But I feel like that awkwardness can get magnified when you're in the presence of somebody who's very self-assured. 
but he was very nice about that as well. I just said, I'm sorry, I'm a bit nervous, all of this. You must get that a lot, I suppose. So he's very, very nice to spend time with and generous with his time as well. I've heard reports of him being a very, very nice guy. Yeah. Because I know he played the Clooney not too long ago, I don't think. Ah, okay, missed that. Yeah. I remember when it was announced, I was very surprised that he was a musician and you know, like doing that kind of synthy yeah. music. But I think that... I read a piece, it might have been in, I don't know where it was, on the Utopia Strong, and it was talking about a key thing, like he was saying he doesn't know how to play a musical instrument, but he's, he's you know, he's using these modular synths there, and his bandmate said the key thing, which was and he, he knows when not to play. Very important yeah. attribute to have, isn't it? I know some technically great musicians who don't know when to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think we all know those kind of people don't we the drummers with their it's, oh, the drummers. double bass pedal double kick pedal sorry putting a fill in everywhere yeah. the bass guitarists with their slapping and popping oh no 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 if you have a song where there's no slapping and popping and then you just pop once yeah that would be way more interesting just once just a single pop I found that quite a challenge playing with Hannah Glad. Sort of playing. Obviously, I'm not a bassist, but uh, the band. I felt it just needed something in the bottom uh, spectrum there. So is that your instrument in that band? Yeah, you have a bassist, aren't you? Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, like I say, I, I'm a guitarist, aren't I? So it's such a different instrument to play. Like just constantly fighting the urge to try and too much or yeah it's quite an interesting instrument less got to try and do less at every turn yeah it gets uh, it gets a bit of a bad rap doesn't it like when when you're growing up nobody wants to be the bassist in the school band <laughs> yet it's the best instrument but it's so much fun to play yeah I like it in rehearsals when you when you're rehearsing with a band and you've like rehearsed for a bit too long because I'm a guitarist primarily as well you know that moment where you've rehearsed for a little bit too long and everyone starts picking up the, everyone else's instruments oh yes and maybe everyone's tired and wants to go home but you, you know when there's a little break you come back into the room and pick up the bass guitar and then you end up having a little jam I always like it when that happens yeah. but it is a sign that you need to go home and finish rehearsing I'm kind of curious to, to know how you started in music if that's not such a boring area to cover, it's fine. You. I just felt like we should um, just assure the listeners that there's continual bird life been happening in front of us, just in case they might have been wondering. I don't mean to. Was that? Am I overstepping the mark? Not at all. <laughs> no. You're right, though. There is there is a constant flow, a constant party going on in front of us. I guess I just because you know, it's your podcast and you're the, you're the driving, <laughs> the, the uh, steering wheel and uh, what's that bird there on the table? Oh, is that a it's a blackbird. It's a, oh. And the Latin for blackbird is Turtus Marula. There we go. No, no, there's just a big mountain pot of birds in front of us. 
I if anything new comes to the table, I was always yeah. going to just... I, I overstepped the mark. I felt it immediately. <laughs> um, but I did I did feel like I should have mentioned the, uh, that we're very close to the train line here. Just probably... I'm terrible at judging distances, but it's maybe 100, 150 yards in front of us. The uh, Newcastle Carlisle line runs along the Tyne. So the Tyne oh, is then right, beyond yeah. that. And so you can maybe pick up on the mics a little. Yeah, I think there was a um, plane that flew past earlier on when you were talking and it was very loud in the headphones. Ah, yeah. We're right on the flight path from Newcastle Airport as well. Yeah, another hide that I go to is in the same kind of situation, but it's like near um, Seaton Burn area on the A1. Just going to click my thumbs? Go for it. I'll join it, get rid of mine. An aeroplane is a type of big... That's a whirly me- bird. <laughs> mechanical bird, yeah. I recently found this um, website called Birds Aren't Real. <laughs> it's a movement started by people in the 1970s, I think, in America. It's a conspiracy theory that birds aren't actually real. Right. They were, they were wiped off the face of the earth. They were culled and then replaced with drones. So the birds that we're seeing right now are robots. Okay. I'm willing to explore that theory. For two seconds. (laughs) Yeah, and then dismiss it. (laughs) Speaking of imaginary birds, George Borges, I think is how you pronounce his name. It might just be George Borge, but I'm pretty sure it's Borges. It's Uh, a shame it's not George Borge. George Borge would be better. He writes about an imaginary bird called the Galoo, which is maybe not as imaginary as it first seems. It was also documented, reported by uh, loggers in hundreds in America. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a bird that used to live on steep hillsides, so it would lay square eggs so they wouldn't roll off. And the, those eggs were speckled in such a way that they resembled dice. So often the loggers would hard boil them and gamble with these gilly-galoo eggs. Wow. To answer your question, how, we, how I got started in the music, I don't really know. I, think I got a guitar when I was 12 or 13. When I got it home, I just wanted to write a song. Mm-hmm. So rather than learn to play guitar or anything, I was just, just really had an impulse to make up songs. I put a poster up in school. On the first day of high school, I put this poster up on the corridor wall, asking if anybody wanted to form a band. And, and we did that for a few years in school and then started playing in pubs around Newcastle, like the Black Swan. Must play there like 30 times. Yeah. What was the name of your first band then? Well, we were punks in Drublick for a while. Brilliant. I think NoFX had an album called Punk in Drublick or something like that. And mm-hmm. So that couldn't, you know, we needed more original name. So we, yeah. then we, we were briefly Minus Eyes. Because I was... Minus Eyes. Minus Eyes. Because mm-hmm. I was quite intensely down about my eyesight back then. Mm-hmm. But then we quickly ditched that and became Bean. Wow. So we were Bean for a while. Played Black Swan. And another 
other places, Bridgetel. Head of Steam. Head of Steam. I don't know. I feel like everybody played Head of Steam. Yeah, like but this early was, on. was probably too soon. How long has Head of Steam been now for? Oh, it's been there a while. What was it before there? It was a different. Uh, it was a different place before then. But we're talking like, how old are you now? Thirty-six. Oh. So I'm forty. <laughs> think about that. So it's like I'm yeah, 40 and a half. We would have been playing there when we were 16 mm. to 18. So what's that? 20? I don't remember us. We must have done that of steam. Egypt Cottage. Egypt Cottage, we did one or two. I think, again, that was just coming in the picture. You know, it, that band stopped when... Uh, Neil and Amy went off to university and I'd started playing solo when I was about 16 anyways. Yeah. First solo gig I did was with Nev Clay, who you know well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I just played solo for the next eight or nine years around Newcastle, open mic nights and mm-hmm. other gigs. And I remember there was a period where I just saw you on so many bills in Newcastle and I remember thinking to myself, this dude's got it right. Like just solo, can probably rock up, don't even need a sound check. <laughs> get your 50 quid, Yeah. get your couple of pints of beer and nick off. Yeah, it was good. Because I, yeah, I used to do like three or four a month, I guess, maybe more. Because mm-hmm. I would just say yes to most things. Yeah. As, as long as it pays something, I was yeah. fair and... You had a big pull as well. I mean, I think everybody wanted you to play. Mad. There were some <laughs> things I wouldn't do, you know. Yeah. But no, I think that was a good little, I mean, that was really crucial time, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'd call it cutting your teeth, but I didn't, didn't see it that way, you know. It's like, I was going hell for leather at those all those gigs. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing you in, some really nice little venues that you wouldn't usually see people play. Like, a, I don't know, I remember you having this, well, you, you still do have this ability in live to just kind of, like, command the room, just having the room completely silent, and everybody just, like, watching what you're doing, which is, you know, how it should be, of course. I don't know, I've played plenty of shows where I wasn't... Uh... <laughs> situation <laughs> I remember seeing it like a, a vintage clothes shop and there was probably what's about that, like sorry, what's that little one there just oh sorry mate I think it was just a great tit it um, was very tiny I didn't know what it mm. was. Um, yeah I remember that was on off Heaton Road mm-hmm. it was Nisha's shop yes that's right I liked that gig actually it was lush because and then I think I saw you in the Heaton Perk as well I think you played there Yep. Did you play Heaton Park as well? Heaton or am I just mad? I it was a very so, yeah, blurry few, time for me. times, two or three times. Yeah, it was blurry for me as well. I... It was the early 2010s. Yep. I remember like whenever you were written on a on a bill somewhere, I would always try and go, you know, I've got to admit, That's Richard, nice. uh, this is a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I failed to mention that earlier on. It's okay. It does bounce off, you know, I mean, I appreciate it, but it's, you know. Yeah. It's important that it bounces off. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to uh, feed your ego at all. Absolutely fine. I've already moved on from it, to be honest. Have you? Oh, that's good. 
yeah. at the age of 40. That's, that's pretty impressive. No, I do appreciate it. But at the same time, it's sort of like I realise it's not... Uh, I tend to just take on board anything negative and then I just go over those things. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get out of that habit. Yeah, do you read reviews and stuff like that? Mm, I used to when I, I stopped. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, stopped going on. I used to read the, the good comments one. on YouTube. Oh, okay. I stopped that too. Yeah. Because I found it really interesting, but it, it's not. It's quite harmful, I think, to to your, what you need to do. next For the next thing you do, you need not to be thinking about how people are, are going to think about it. Mm-hmm. So I really got caught up in the promo side of things for the Peasant album. Sorry, the uh, Nothing Important album. I read all the reviews, read all the comments, all that stuff. And then when I came to sit and write Peasant, to sit and write the lyrics, start and the words, my mind was just on, it was like I was viewing what I was doing and myself through other people's eyes mm-hmm. and thinking about all the wrong things. And it took like four or five months to let go of all that stuff yeah. get off the internet and totally harmful so I'm just trying to be a bit more focused now just yeah put things in my eyeballs that are of value hello Mr. Squirrel yeah Squirrel's just come to visit the table is directly in front of us about two metres away fascinating aren't they never had a squirrel on the podcast yet there he is he or she I always say certain animals I always call he's and other certain animals I always call she's. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when men call a guitar a she. That's very strange. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was mentioned in another podcast I did that <laughs> we find it quite strange that people name their guitars yeah. and stuff. To go back to what we were yes. talking about the uh, in about my probably about 25 or 26 I got not disillusioned because I'd never thought of things in terms of like career but I think I just ran out of steam a bit and just felt like oh this isn't going anywhere I didn't know what I was doing with my music I didn't like the music I was doing didn't Mm. feel it was good enough so I had a really couple of years away from it and I was doing eyeballs this kind of electronic project then I started working on Magic Bridge, and that yeah. was like that took three years of like right. I was working. I quit the shop I was in because I was having an awful time with some like personal stuff. I just had to change everything, so I quit shop. Alt Vinyl Records, which was a great record shop. I moved house because it was like too associated with with what I was going through and yeah. And so then when I got into this new situation, that new house and working in the Bodega pub, which Ben, the manager at the time, he sort of really, uh, there he, there's he's that pigeon following his tail again. Yeah. She's wise to it now. Yeah. He kind of threw us a lifeline by giving us this job. I was a crap barman. <laughs> Me too. I've done that stuff as well. and The worst barman in the world. Yeah. yeah. It's just too, too much, isn't it? That's a really hard job. Yeah. Can't stand it when you see people being pricks to bar staff. Mm-hmm. Or, or waiters and waitresses. It's just like, yeah, fucking hell, give it a Really break. long hours, yeah. late hours On as your well. feet, dealing with the public. And mm. So I wrote the lyrics for that over that year and then 
I think before I even put it out, I was just like, right, I, I want to just go for it. And like, I believe in this album, and yeah, I think this this is something more interesting now, and it's yeah, less, yeah. like none of this like, oh, what was that sound? Mm, I was not paying attention. It's a new one like this. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll listen back to the recording and see if I can pick it up. Yeah. I think that was a big moment was like taking this big dive into self-employment, even though I wasn't mm-hmm. really making it. And my gigs had dropped off as well because I hadn't been doing them. But I just, I just thought, you know, I can believe in this record and... So I kind of just went for, went all in, if you like, and had a rough year of, like, I had to sell a load of my stuff just to, like, get by, but then started to get more gigs. And Mm -hmm. I think because I was all in, I think it was probably reflected in the shows as well. And, you you know, like, nothing else matters. Yeah. I trusted it as well. I didn't ever feel worried in it, and it wasn't a gamble. My pal Jake said, like, oh, so, you know, I, really, I admire you for taking that leap. And it was a real gamble. Like, well, actually, it wasn't a gamble. It wasn't a gamble because I was doomed if I stayed where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I didn't try it, I would always regret it. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't a gamble. It was absolutely a necessity. And and then things just started to click. And yeah. got this commission to do the glass trunk. Well, it was just a commission to go in the Discovery Museum and do some project there working with the some any items i like in their archives this is where poor old horse came from isn't it that's right yeah and the um the newborn sorry what's the title of that song oh yeah parents address to his firstborn song yeah something like that i didn't want to get it wrong no i would would have got it wrong (laughs) yeah so all these amazing things in the archives their letters and newspaper cuttings and stuff and it made this eventually led to making this album, The Glass Trunk. But then before I'd finished that, uh, there was some interest from a couple of labels. Nice. Which yeah. is pretty wild, but kind of unexpected. But uh, also, I think because I don't know about this, but like the live shows were getting some kind of reputation or something like that. What kind of reputation? Like, I don't know, just for being like a good interest in yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I hope> so. <laughs> yeah um, well, absolutely. So that's, that's true. Yeah, I remember taking a copy of the glass trunk to a first meeting with, or like the first official meeting with the Domino folks and giving them that there. So I think I was, you know. And then the first album I delivered for them was Nothing Important, which just felt ridiculous. Like, I can't believe I'm giving this to. Domino, I was like, gonna hate this, you know, and they were really into it and supportive. So, and then from there, it's just been a really good working relationship, and yeah, just trying to build on the, you know, it's an opportunity the last few years to make slightly more ambitious projects and complicated mm-hmm. things. So uh, it's been kind of good, kind of good indeed. Yeah, I remember. I think. There was like a, a communal feeling amongst the Newcastle folk around the time where it was announced that you were working with Domino, which obviously a very good record label. Because I think, I don't know, everybody wanted to see you succeed in that. Like everyone in Newcastle who attended all your gigs knew how 
deserving of it you were and how amazing you were. We just saw these gigs and it was almost like we were like sitting on you in a way as if to say, we've got Richard Dawson in Newcastle, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> and then when the rest of the country, were, like you started going further afield, I suppose. Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong here in assuming this. But yeah, when once the label interest came about, we were just like, fucking get in. That's nice That's to hear. That's brilliant, you know. Yeah, I think I always felt Newcastle was very supportive. And of course, there's a little bit of, I think everywhere you go, but compared to other cities I visited, which felt a good deal more competitive in the music scenes. Mm -hmm. And I never really felt that here. I did. I know there was some musicians from here had some interest and in, some like uh, good fortune in what they were doing. And uh, maybe there was snippiness towards them. But I never felt that with myself. I'm sure it is the case for some people but you know you just generally I just always felt that people were really very supportive and like so it's quite long ago that period of like ch feeling like you're transitioning from a mm -hmm. like a local artist to like you know you you try and always remain that but it kind of moves of its own accord and mm -hmm. grows into something different especially being from Newcastle you just worry about being a prick don't you like Ah, oh, people are going to think I'm a proper cock. Well, yeah, Geordies have got a particular. <laughs> well, that's good, um, that's ground, grounding. Yeah. <laughs> and at the, at the end of the day, all of it's bollocks. Like, mm -hmm. um, like any idea of, I think that was the key, is like I decided with the Magic Bridge I was going to just do it mm -hmm. and do it properly and make the work how it needed to be anything else is extra to it so i don't take it lightly like having a label support is massive and it's mm -hmm. meant i can enact certain ideas in a, in a much more like full way but i would have found a way to do it i think that yeah there is a danger that that you could almost like forget how much of a help it is for the current situation for me and not something to be taken for granted yeah, the the magic bridge for me because you released a few albums before that, didn't you? Yeah, and then not very good ones. No, I would I wouldn't agree with that. Well, I'm gonna have to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so the magic bridge came about, and it almost like came out of nowhere for me because I was not massively into the Newcastle music scene as such. I was playing in a band at the time, and then I think. The first time I really heard of you, when did when was Magic Bridge released? Like 2010, 11? I've got no idea. Something like that, yeah. 2011 yeah. sounds right. I remember just a lot of my friends who had their finger on the pulse a little bit more than I did were like, Richard Dawson, playing in town, let's go see. And for me it was like, oh, this guy's just like brought out his debut album and or, or he's like, you were promoting your debut album. But then once I got into your music, I had like a lovely little back catalogue to go through as well. And I was, so I spent a long time going through that. Uh, and, oh, I've got it. I've actually got a confession to make. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't think I've told you this before, but you were playing at Star and Shadow. It was me, John Edgar, Stu Walkinshaw, and Andrew Cleaver were standing in the crowd together. And I think you invited some people up to sing back and vocals for you. 
Yeah. You remember this? Uh, vaguely. Yeah. What? what? That's good for me. What, uh, was it the Nick Cave night? Was that a different thing? I don't think, I think it was your own gig. Ah. So. Oh, another day. Another day. Another well, this day. is the thing. At the time, this is the confession. Yeah. I had John standing behind us and I remember when you said, does anyone want to come and sing Bang Vogels? John just pushed me forward ah. because he was going. So he, brought, he dragged me along with him and Stu and Cleaver. Yeah. So we, I've got a photo of us all stood behind you singing back and vocals. I didn't know the song at all. Right. So that was you. Yes, I, was, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, it ruined the whole show. Oh, I just kept. I just kept my mouth shut. And like, I picked after the first kind of chorus. I picked it up and then just started singing along. I think. I think it's just uh, your presence is enough. It's fine enough. <laughs> after that, I was like, John. Bastard, why did you do that? I don't even know the lyrics to that song. Ah, oh, that's good. Good connections. I'm sure it was fine. So, well, I'm, if it wasn't, if you remember at that time, who's singing the bum notes? Yeah, <laughs> I do apologise. If who's singing the bum notes, it was probably me. <laughs> a little, uh, is that another pheasant? We got another pheasant here. I think here. I saw the, two together. Yeah, the bird action's kind of dying off. Where have they gone? I think it's because we relaxed and our voices have gotten a little bit louder. Maybe also, they got bored talking about me. Oh, I was <laughs> sick of this. What should we talk about then? <laughs> I'm talking about the birds. Right, let's they, talk about they, the birds they, again. They were, they were, uh, How do you feel sitting in a bird hide? Is it? Are you enjoying yourself? Is it? I mean, I am enjoying. You're going to say yes, yeah. aren't you? But <laughs> I suppose I did because I got my feet really soggy yesterday. My shoes, they are quite cold. So I do. I just started to wonder. How long, and I don't need to go, I'm not hinting, but I wondered how long exactly this activity usually lasts. Like, is it an hour? Is it five hours? I have no this context. is as long as you want it to be. We've been recording for an hour and a quarter. Oh, how was it? Yeah. Well, I think two hours maybe seems like a reasonable... Sound. How long is your podcast usually? Usually I edit it down to about an hour. Oh, okay. So. To keep the good stuff. Yeah, keep the good stuff. Well, it's all it's all in there. <laughs> I just take out the bits where people knock on the door asking for a key. That was a good bit. You got to keep that bit. Got to keep that one in. <laughs> yeah, that was the best bit. Nah, I beg to differ. Yeah. So what's what's going to be next for you? Have you got anything in the in the pipeline, so to speak? Mm, it's I'm at a funny place at the minute with like I finished. An album, I think I can't really talk about that much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's fine. That level of uh, mentioning, I'm just about to get that mastered and so then we'll be done. And I mean, it's no surprise that you've just got another album. Well, You're very prolific, it's, Richard. No, it's just the Henke was finished a long time ago. It actually took a long, ah, long right. time for that to come out for one reason or another didn't want it to clash too much with uh, 2020 but then as well as lots of problems with the uh, press and plants and big big weights oh yeah so i've been working on it this next album for a, a long time but really finished that back a few months ago and then i've just been just getting the final mixes and just little changes just smoothing it out and 
yeah. now it's literally we just did the last thing a few days ago and uh, hopefully it gets mastered in a week or so I'm just at the start of a bunch of things like mm-hmm. starting writing again for myself so we're just starting to talk about another Circle album over the next couple of weeks we'll exchange some more demos and then Hannah Gleth are just talking about starting again so I'm at the start of three things which is kind of mad Usually they're spaced out, but yeah. because everything's got kind of a bit knacked by pandemical energy, it's kind of knocked things out of whack. So, yeah, I was quite careful before to always keep things separate, but I think now everything's coincided. <laughs> I feel quite foggy about it, but I think I just need to, as things occur, just work on them. So yeah. there's always something to do every day, and it's just yeah. nothing, nothing crisp at the minute. And then they're reading Circle Gigs in June onwards. Oh, so you're going to tour that as well? Yeah. Nice. So we'll start in there. And what's the, what's the lineup? Is it you? Me and them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's six of them. Okay. One of me. Nice. So well, you've got... Seven of us, I should say. So where is it? Where's the tour taking you? We'll start in Helsinki at Sideways Festival again. And... Um, some other Finnish club dates around that and then in England we're doing Super Song Festival nice and I think we're just looking at London and Newcastle maybe maybe Manchester Bristol dates okay I think it's all you know we're just figuring out maybe uh, maybe up into Scotland as well mm. that'd be good yeah, yeah. Be nice to see it live yeah it'd be amazing it's quite tricky getting everyone together and obviously over here with the extra challenges of covid but uh i think we'll have a good handful of shows together so would it be you going over to finland to rehearse the set yeah i mean i I dare say we probably won't do that much rehearsal just because we don't have a lot of time we'll certainly practice a lot individually and then it only only takes one or two gigs doesn't it and then you (laughs) (laughs) we did a we did our first gig together that one i mentioned Mm -hmm. with you know, two days of never having played together and no songs. So anything's possible. I think we just decide to do it and then do it as best as we can. Wow. <laughs> that, I laughed too loud there. <laughs> Startled the birds. It's gone quiet, hasn't it? It's gone quiet. We've got a little little bit of uh, great tits on the bird feeder in the distance. You might not Have be able to any of your guests on the podcast before? made the obvious let's call it a gag at the mention of great tits no good I remember I kind of did like a demo of the podcast with one of the guests basically recorded an episode but then had to re-record that episode for several reasons I remember in within like the first five minutes of hit and record I said the word tit probably about 10, 15 times yeah. and listening back to it I was just like oh god I said that word far too many times and it just sounded weird yeah. and people listening were probably gonna oh you said tit tit to me is an interesting word to say it's a Geordie because usually that T would be silent in a Geordie accent bit you know it's the same thing the T at the end but if we were saying pint of bitter, 
the tea disappears. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's teetering. It's teetering mm. on the edge. I see I <laughs> pronounced the, pronounced the tea there, didn't I? Solid tea and teetering. Soft mm. tea and tittering. Tittering. But I wouldn't say, like, there's a nice blue tit. Tit. Blue tit. Doesn't work. Tit. Tit. There we go. We've said tit far too many times now. <laughs> What's that over there? Oh, you know what? Is it Gilly Galoo? It's a fucking leaf. <laughs> 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 Is there anything that you'd like to share with the, the listeners before we... Absolutely nothing. Get in. My feet well, are cold. It is about that time, I think. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for doing this. Thank um, you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks. for uh, orchestrating, doing it in this bird hide as well. It's a really nice... Uh, it's, it's a change for me. Well, I'll tell you, it's lovely for me to, to be in a place in my home that I've never been before. Mm. Well, i tell you what, Richard, as a token of my gratitude... I'm going to gift you the key to this bird. <laughs> okay? But then you won't have a key. Well, I'll just go... They're only a fiver from that cafe, oh, so I'll just run past at some point and get... I graciously accept that gift. Fantastic. Quite an amazing gift. This is literally about five minutes walk away from your house, so... Thank you. That's lovely. Once again, thanks very much. Cheers. Nice one. See you later. So there it is, episode five. Massive thanks to Richard for being so generous with his time and inviting me up to his place. Yeah, it was really nice to catch up. It had been a few years since I'd spoken to Richard. His latest release is a collaboration with Finnish heavy metal band Circle and the album's called Henke. It's out on Domino Records. Go and check that out if you haven't already. Massive thanks to you for listening. Thanks for your likes, your shares and all of your reviews that have been coming in so far. Um, yeah, I'll see you soon for episode six. And yeah, that's it, I guess. Ciao, ciao.